Rashi's commentary is always super precise, not only in the words that he uses to interpret what he, what he wants to say, but even in the words from the Pasuk that he quotes as the headline for his particular interpretation. So that's why it's unusual for us that in this week's parasha, when we talk about Yom Tov, Rashi takes the words Sheshes Yomim, six days, which is with reference to Shabbos, and then he gives a whole explanation about what the distinction and the correlation is between Shabbos and Yom Tov. So it does seem odd. He should have chosen the words Vayom Ashvi, which highlights Shabbos itself. Why does he choose the words Sheshes Yomim? We'll give a few attempted explanations, which the Rebbe will be dissatisfied with, and instead we'll come to understand that Sheshes Yomim is a concept, and effectively that's what Rashi wants to illustrate to us, that there are two concepts in the way a Jewish person behaves. There's a concept of when you should be engaged in the world and, and working, and there's a concept of when you should desist and remove yourself from the world on Shabbos and on Yom Tov. We're also going to learn that there's a very powerful distinction a Jewish person has to make between what you want physically from the world because of the inclination of your body and what we should want spiritually from the world because of the nature of our neshama. So, We've already explained many times that Rashi's language of his commentary is absolutely precise. Not only in the words that he uses to explain what it is that he wants to say, but even in the words that he uses as the headline, the extracted words from the Pasuk that he uses as the headline. Which is why we have to ask a question about Rashi's commentary in our Pasha. So, at the beginning of the parasha that speaks about all the different Yomim Tovim, after the introduction where Hashem says, Moshe, tell the Yidden about, these are my holidays. Then the Pasuk says this, Six, weeks, six days shall your work be done. And the seventh day should be a Shabbos of Shabbos's, and you may not do any work, it's a holy day. And then after that, the Torah says, and the following are the Yom Tavs of the year, and it tells us the various Yom Tavim. So from this Pasuk that speaks about Shabbos, Rashi extracts those words, six days. Or Pirishan explains like this, So why are we talking about Shabbos in a section that ostensibly is actually there to talk about Yom Tov? So he explains, that the Torah wants us to know that any person who desecrates Yom Tov, the Torah will consider it as serious as if they desecrated Shabbos. And any person who upholds Yom Tov, the Torah will equate it to upholding and fulfilling Shabbos. So that is strange, doesn't seem to make sense. Because surely our kosher pasuk zeharu b'lishen Rashi mainin Shabbos eitzel moyadai. As Rashi himself has said, the question we need to address over here in this pasuk is why are we talking about Shabbos if the theme over here is actually to talk about Yom Tov? Ulufizeh, and if that is what bothers Rashi, hoyaloy l'Rashi l'hatikasatevus v'yom hashvi Shabbos v'tevus el belvad. What Rashi should have then used as his headline is the seventh day is Shabbos, and then he should have said Shabbos. Why Shabbos? We're talking about Yom Tov. And those are the only words he should have used. Instead of doing that, So strangely, Rashi, instead of saying which is the obvious word to raise the question, he quotes the words six days. And he doesn't even hint at the fact that the Pasuk talks about the seventh day being Shabbos. He doesn't even put an etc. Why? 
Makes no sense. Rashi, you are explaining how Shabbos is part of the conversation of Yom Tov, and yet you're not using the words to tell us Shabbos. So, maybe one way to explain it is, that's what Rashi does sometimes. He uses the beginning phrase out of a sentence in order to introduce that he wants to speak generally about everything that that phrase and that whole sentence refers to. So maybe let's argue that Rashi didn't mean focus in only on those two words, six days, but he was using it as like, a, like an intro. I'm, I'm really talking about this entire Pasuk, and here are the words of which Pasuk I'm talking about, and we'll, we'll find that two specific examples that we'll look at. We do find Rashi doing this in many places. We find sometimes that Rashi does that. He quotes the first couple of words of a pasuk or even of an entire section. And he doesn't put an etc. And that's almost as if to say this is the intro to this entire section. Let me tell you about the section. Example number one. The Pasuk says that you should make the ephod one of the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol. Because of Rashi, Rashi gives a whole long explanation of his day. If I'm going to explain everything in the order that it appears in the Psukim itself, you're actually going to get confused about how it all works. Therefore, I'm going to first give you an overview of how the design of the ephod should work, and then afterwards we'll plug it into the different words of the Psukim. And then in that Rashi, he goes through all of the details of everything that is relevant to making the ephod. And nevertheless, Rashi was happy only to use those words, no other words, even though he's going to explain everything that has to do with the aphoid, and he doesn't even put an etc. You see, it's normal for Rashi to just reference a small phrase out of a bigger concept to introduce the concept. He has another example. In fact, Rashi is about to do it. Shortly after this pasuk about Shabbos, when it says, These are the Yamim Rashi does the same thing here. He, he tackles the issue of why the Torah seems to repeat itself because it says, These are the Yamim Tovim twice. But he only says the words, no vagoymer, no etc. So apparently it is normal for Rashi to just extract a phrase and use that as an intro to speak about the entire concept. So why are we so uh, uh, concerned over here that Rashi says, it seems to be normal. Except, the only thing is that the same logic that would apply in Tetzave and even in the next Pasuk, doesn't work over here for Shabbos. The only thing is, look, any time that Rashi uses a particular phrase out of the context of the whole Pasuk, it's only because that phrase speaks to what he is going to explain. Like, for example, the, the examples we've just looked at. Let's use the example in Tetzave. He doesn't just use the one word Vaosu. He dafka includes because that's what he's going to explain. So he has to give us the context. 
ועל דרך זה בפוסק אלה מויד הגויים שלא יהיה העתק תיבס אלה בלבד אלא אלה מויידי השם. same thing here in our parasha. he doesn't just use the random word אלה, he says אלה מויידי. why? because I'm going to explain something about מויידי, about the יומים טובים. now that's not going to work in our case because ואילו בנידוין דידן in our case הנגיע לתכן פרש רש"י הוא מה עניין שבס חולי. רש"י is in his interpretation going to explain why שבס is included in a discussion about Yom Tov. So his focus is on Shabbos. The words, Sheishas Yomim, six days, don't in any way represent Shabbos. If anything, they represent the wording prior to Shabbos, the week that precedes Shabbos. So the attempted explanation to say Rashi does that sometimes, he just gives us a phrase, and then he explains everything related to the phrase, only works if the phrase is what he's explaining. Sheshus Yomim is not what Rashi is explaining. And then we have another question. Why does Rashi approach this first from a negative perspective? Anybody who desecrates Shabbos, why not start first on the positive? I mean, we are talking over here about Yom Tov, and we are saying that you should celebrate Yom Tov. So why not start with the positive? And yes, if you look at Rashi's source in Teras Koyhanim, it does actually do just that, but Rashi doesn't always quote verbatim from his sources, and the Pasuk does not sound like it's talking negative first, warning you against desecration. So why does Rashi take that angle? So Gam Yesh Ledaik Vilashen Rashi, we also have to understand the nuance of Rashi's language. Madua Posach Betzad Hashlila Shekola Mechalele Samoyadois Chulei, Veloi Betzad Achiv Kola Mechayim Samoyadois Chulei, Vefrat Shaposach Mahamedamoisam Oisig Bechiv Shmirasam. Why, if Rashi is going to give us both sides of the coin, whoever desecrates Yom Tov, it's like desecrating Shabbos, and whoever upholds Yom Tov, it's like fulfilling Shabbos, then why not start rather with the positive, especially when the Pasuk itself is talking about the positive, upholding Yom Tov. Even though Rashi's basis is explanation on the Medrash Torah's Kohanim. First of all, have a look in the Torah's Kohanim. It's not focused on this particular Pasuk. It's talking generally about the general notion of how Yom Tov operates. And besides that, plus we know Rashi doesn't quote his sources verbatim. He quotes his sources in the way that is best suited to doing what Rashi does, explaining the Pshat. So why would Rashi here, Dafka, stay with the exact language of the Torah's Kohanim when it seems against the Pshat? The Pshat is the Torah is telling us how to keep Yom Tov. And Rashi is going straight for what happens if you desecrate Yom Tov. So, maybe you'll try and answer here because this is where you see the real distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tov. So, okay, maybe what you would think is you might think that Yom Tov is somehow not as severe as Shabbos, because Shabbos is directly from Hashem, it's non-negotiable, comes around every week, whether you like it or not, whereas Yom Tov, the based in, is going to determine when Yom Tov is, so maybe all of the prohibitions associated with Yom Tov are maybe a little bit weaker. Maybe that's why Rashi says, you see, the Torah has to warn you, you might think you could take Yom Tov lightly, beware, you cannot. Desecrating Yom Tov is as bad as desecrating Shabbos. 
And if that is really what the Pasuk needs to tell us, that would actually explain why Rashi first focuses on the transgressions, because apparently that's the main thing the Torah has to clarify for us. Because we would, for whatever reason, believe that if it's just a rabbinic establishment of when Yom Tov is going to be, it's somehow not as severe. But if that's the whole motivation, why Rashi first focused on telling us don't desecrate Yom Tov, it's actually not a good enough answer. Hang on a second. If it's true that the Torah wants to highlight and emphasize for us how bad it is to transgress Yom Tov, look in the Torah itself, it doesn't seem to be saying that. If anything, it seems to be saying that the main thing is that you should celebrate Yom Tov, from which we learn that only once we understand how much the Torah highlights the value of celebrating Yom Tov, then we can appreciate what happens on the flip side if a person ignores Yom Tov. So if that's the case, if the Torah felt satisfied that it could just highlight the positive, Rashi should have only told us the positive, and we, using our own understanding, could have extrapolated the negative. It's as valuable to keep Yom Tov as keeping Shabbos. Naturally, then, it's as bad to desecrate it as desecrating Shabbos. And if Rashi had to spell it out for us, first tell us the positive, because that really fits better with the language of the Pasuk. So, Vabir, Bozeh, the question that we are really looking to interpret over here, what really motivated Rashi is actually not Shabbos vis-a-vis Yom Tov. Rashi's bothered by something else. Rashi wants to know why is Sheshis Yamin part of this conversation. If you want to tell me that Yom Tov is as important as Shabbos, it's okay. You could say, and that's Shabbos. And then you could tell me, and now there's Yom Tov. Why did the Torah feel the necessity to tell us over here about the six days of work? They belong in the Aseris Adibrois, because that's for the Torah to give us context and say, whoa, you might be all nervous over the fact that how are you going to make a living? Don't worry, six days you can work. Or because it wants to relate the six days of work to the six days of creation. That would fit in the Aseris Adibrois first time we encountered Shabbos. But here we already know Shabbos, and we already know the rules. Why did the Torah have to repeat and remind us that you work for six days? That's actually what's bothering Rashi. Sabir was there. The explanation is According to Pshat, the comparison or the linkage between Shabbos and Yontav is no major surprise. You actually find that a number of the different Mephorshim, we're going to focus specifically on the Barbanel and the Ramban, they basically explain. Uh, that the truth is that very open-ended expression special dates on the calendar could very well include Shabbos because it is a special date on the calendar and not only special but specifically because it's a day that you may not do the 39 categories of work so that's a real moyed Ah, you're going to say, yes, of course, Shabbos is a special date, but it doesn't really fit in the category of dates that tikru'u, meaning that the base thing declares as being holy. Still, at the very least, we could say that Shabbos was like kind of a sidebar to the conversation. 
to teach us two primary differences between Shabbos and Yontav. Actually, this would be the perfect time to illustrate to us that those are Mikroya Kodesh, which the, the, the base din establishes as Yom Tev, and Shabbos is not. Plus, this would also be the ideal time to show us that Shabbos is even more of a time of rest than a Yom Tev because there are more things that you are not allowed to do, including the preparation of food, which would be permitted on Yom Tev. That's not what bothers Rashi. The fact that Shabbos is part of the conversation, we can explain. The question is, Rashi's question is, why the introduction to Shabbos? Why did the Torah over here have to remind us that for six days your work may be done? The first time the Torah instructed about Shabbos, then we know why the Torah had to first. It's the first time we're learning about Shabbos. The Torah has to tell us that we may work for six days. The Torah is introducing Shabbos for the first time. You may be afraid how you're going to be able to survive. Don't worry, you get six days that you could work. No problem. Void, furthermore. Actually, in Aseris Hadibrois, the, there's almost this uh, rhythmic connection, besides the conceptual connection, between six days of work and rest on Shabbos, like Hashem created the world in six days and rested on Shabbos. And Beis, um, Mishesh Hashem Tavi, Osis Kom Lachtecha, Lomadnik, Vishuhevi Rashi, Bepirushai, not only that, but Rashi explains in that story of the Aseris Adibros, in the moment of the Aseris Adibros, he explains, why does it say the six days shall your work be done? So when you come to Shabbos, the attitude that you take should be, my work is done. I don't have any stress. I don't have any worries. So we completely get it why six days of work is relevant the first time Shabbos is introduced as a concept. But now we're in Pashas Emoir. We're not primarily talking about Shabbos over here. We're talking about Yom Tev. And Shabbos is mentioned by the way. If that's the case, Rashi says, we've got a big question here. Why, when our real focus is to speak about Yom Tov and to show the correlations between Shabbos and Yom Tov, why now do we have to remind ourselves that there are six days of week of work that produce uh, that, that precede Shabbos? Uh, sorry, skip the thing. The pasuk should have just got straight to the point and said, "On the seventh day of Shabbos." That's what bothers Rashi. That's why Rashi uses Sheshis Yomim as his Dibra Maskil, because that's what he's concerned about. Why are we discussing six days at this point? So in order to answer that, Rashi first has to give us a bit of background. What's the background? Why Bichlal is Shabbos in this conversation? 
Once we understand why Shabbos is Bechal in this conversation, then we can answer why the six days are relevant to this conversation. So why is Shabbos Bechal in this conversation? To teach you that transgressing Yom Tov is as serious as transgressing Shabbos. Because the Torah wants to show us that to break Yom Tov, to do Melacha on Yom Tov, is as serious as if it were on Shabbos. Once we recognize that and we see that the Torah is looking to equate the severity of transgressing Yom Tov with the severity of desecrating Shabbos, then we can understand why it first said six days. What's the connection? The explanation is, we're not just talking about there are six days of work and then after that comes Shabbos. Rather, as Rashi indicates linguistically, there is a concept of six days and there is a concept of days without work. When the Torah speaks about six days, it's not just telling us a quantum of six days. The Torah is describing a particular reality. It's a period of time that is labeled the period of six day time. Rashi actually says this just in a few psukim time. He says, when we talk about shivas yomim, it's a, an entity, it's a package deal of a seven day period of time. Shmoinas yomim is a period of an eight day period. Sheishis Yomim is a reality of eight, of six days. What does that mean? What does it mean when it says six days shall your work be done? It means Hashem created a period of time, an entity comprised of six days, which is the area in which the time frame within which Melacha Avoida is, is permitted. So now the implication is any other time that is not part of that six-day framework, any other time that has not been allocated for melacha is automatically forbidden to do melacha. That's the principle the Torah wants to teach us. It's not like there's a Shabbos and there's a Yom Tif and there's a Monday and there's a Thursday. There is a week, which is one reality, where work is permitted, and there are holy days, which are a different reality, where work is forbidden. Now we can understand what Rashi was so bothered by. Why does the story of the Yom Tov first begin by telling us that six days may your work be done? The Torah is defining for us two different time zones. One time zone is called the week. That's when melacha is permitted. And then there's another time zone, which is any other time that is not an ordinary weekday and therefore forbidden to do work. 
וממילא מובן אלימית מזה, שכל המחלס המוידס חולקי לכלילס השבוסס, וכל המקיים כלוקים עשה שבוסס. Now we get it, now we understand why actually Rashi is telling us that desecrating Yom Tov is akin to desecrating Shabbos. Even though practically in terms of the consequences that the basin would impose on a person who breaks Yom Tov, it would be different to the consequences of somebody who broke Shabbos. So yes, the punishments are different. Nevertheless, because Yom Tov, like Shabbos, is not in the time zone of time where you may work, represented by Sheshes Yomim, therefore if you desecrate Yom Tov, it is the same concept as desecrating Shabbos. Now we get it why Rashi's introductory headline is only the words Sheshes Yomim without even an etc. Because that's the main thing he's focused on explaining. Rashi wants to show us. Look, you see, Sheshes Yomim. It's a stand-alone concept. It's not begoimer. It's not part of a conversation, and that's how you understand it. It is a stand-alone concept called Sheshes Yomim. And therefore, when the pastor continues, it's not after these six days, you then arrive at the seventh day, that's another time zone. And therefore, it's not linked by a vagoimer. It's a completely different concept. It's a concept of those times when work is forbidden, which is, by the way, the same for Yom Tov. The reason Rashi only says the word and not the words that you may work is because is actually giving you permission to work. It's not requiring you to work. That's not what we're focusing on over here. We're focusing on when you may not work. That's what Rashi wants to highlight. Put it in it differently. So Rashi is doing here exactly what he did in Tetzaveh and what exactly what he's going to do in the next Pasuk. He's using a phrase which is a standalone concept that represents the entire theme of what we're going to talk about. Sheshes Yomim is the entire theme we're going to talk about, that there are two potential time frames. Days where you may work, Sheshes Yomim, that's the introduction. We're now going to discover days when you may not work, Moyadois. And that also helps us to contextualize why Rashi first focused on the negative. Anybody who desecrates Shabbos, it's like desecrating Yom Tov. And only after that spoke about the positive, anybody who upholds or observes Shab- uh, Yom Tov, it's as if they observed Shabbos. Why? Now that we know that what prompts us to put together, group together Shabbos and Yom Tev is their contrast to Sheshis Yomim. In other words, Sheshis Yomim is when you may work. What makes Shabbos and Yom Tev similar? That's when you may not work. Ah, so the emphasis is that what makes Shabbos and Yom Tev similar to each other is what you may not do. So then, then we understand that what the Torah is highlighting over here is the desecration of Yom Tov. A person who desecrates Yom Tov by doing Melacha, because Melacha you're only supposed to do during Sheshes Yomim. 
Now we understand that if a person decides to do work on Yom Tov, then they have degraded Yom Tov into Sheshes Yomim reality, into a day which work is supposed to be done. And, and Yom Tov's not one of those days. So the minute you degrade Yom Tov in that way, it's no different if you had done the same to Shabbos. And then, and then once we see that the Torah very clearly is making the correlation between Shabbos and Yom Tov all about the fact that Shabbos and Yom Tov are times where you may not work, now we can see the absolute correlation to the rest of the, of the Pasuk, uh, to, to the rest of the Mitzvah, I'm sorry, which is that if you observe Yom Tov, it's like observing Shabbos. Okay, so what can it teach us? The deeper inside is this. We know that when the Torah says you should work six days, the Chazal actually tell us that that's a requirement. When the Torah tells us to work for the six days, it's not just telling us you may work, it's telling us this is part of how you serve Hashem, you work during these six days. As we well know, that in order to receive Hashem's brochus, we have to create a keli. So we actually have to work to create a keli in order to get those brochus. But on the other hand, but the reality is, the fact that we have to work is part of our physical reality because we inhabit human bodies. Because we live inside a body, that's why we have to behave in a way that conforms to the rules of nature. Like we know from various places in Mamori Chazal that we are not allowed to rely on miracles and we have to follow the rules of the local government, etc. So if you live in a human body, you have to work in order to earn. But when you look from the perspective of your neshama, from the perspective of the neshama, not only is there not a requirement to work, you actually shouldn't have to work at all. The neshama is not limited by the realities of the body. Like the Rebbe Hashab says, our neshamas were never imposed, uh, were never locked into golos. And when the Nisham is not limited by the darkness of the world, the concealment of the world, the Nisham is always before Hashem. And therefore, from the perspective of the Nisham, if you're engaged in earning a living, you're insulting Hashem, you're standing directly in front of Hashem, uh, hinting and winking at your friend who's working past, which is a terrible affront. And like, for example, if a person was davening all day long, it would be forbidden to do anything that was remotely related to to work. So yes, the Torah allows us and even encourages us to work because we're inhabited in bodies, but our neshama is beyond all of that, and the neshama really does not relate to any of it. From the neshama's perspective, we really should always be in a state of tish boys, no work. It's those two tension that the tension between those two realities, which is how a Jew is supposed to serve Hashem. Those days where the Torah requires me to work, I have to work because that is part of living in this world. But on Shabbos and Yontav, where my neshama is on fire, and I actually experience the perspective of my neshama more acutely. 
On Shabbos and Yom, they have to be in a reality that is an Ashama reality to the point that the thought of work is completely off the radar. There's no way that I could even consider it, let alone talk about it. Because the Neshama is fundamentally beyond the limits of the body and beyond the constrictions of the Golos. Eventually the Neshama will even feed into and overwhelm the body that the body itself can be beyond the restraints of its own physical reality and the Golos that it lives in. Until eventually our neshama, particularly if we learn how to have the insight and the, the attitude of our neshama, not just on Shabbos, but let that spill over into the rest of the week, eventually the neshama takes us out of Golos, literally, with the ultimate gula in the hands of Mashiach, immediately now.